0: Pray with me this morning, if you would. Father, we thank you for your word, for the privilege of being people of your word, for the opportunity to open your word, to hear what you would have to say to us. Father, as we do that, we pray that you would find us attentive and responsive to your word, that we might be people who better reflect the image of Jesus when we are done with that encounter in your word than we were before we started it. We ask this in the name of Jesus, that name above all names. Amen. Well, you've heard about fake news in the political arena, right? Fake news, that phrase is out there. Well, fake news should not be the case in worship. And so, last week, I told one of my favorite stories ever about a cow falling from the sky and sinking a Japanese fishing trawler that had been launched out of a Russian airplane, and somebody afterward, whose name will not be mentioned publicly this morning, but if you want to ask me privately, I'll tell you, went to Snopes.com to check that story out. And it turns out it's not a true story. I apologize for that. And so while the rest of you are enjoying pumpkin pie this coming week, I'm going to have a little slice of humble pie to uh, move me along. You know, usually retractions are on the page 14 in the little box on the bottom left corner of the newspaper. But in the book of Acts, chapter 17, Luke writes this. He says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message every day with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Snopes.com is great, but Bible.com is better. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we interact together around these uh, messages that we've been going through in the book of Mark and the one that we're going to do today, I want you to read your Bibles. I want you to look up the passages. I want you to check it out. I want you to be people who have invested in the scriptures so that we can together come to an understanding of who God is, who Jesus is, and what he's done for us. So now, I'm going to tell you a true story. You've heard of the Butterball Hotline. Have you heard of the Butterball Hotline? You can actually call the Butterball Hotline, and they will give you advice on how to prepare your Turkey. So they have accumulated over the years some actual, no kidding, I'm not making these up, accounts of people who have called in with particular questions about preparing their turkey. Like the person who called in to ask if they could pop popcorn in the turkey's cavity during the roasting process. And of course the way you would know the popcorn was done was when it blows out the rear end of the turkey. The answer is no, you cannot. Pop popcorn in your turkey. The hotline heard from a gal who couldn't find the turkey that she had buried in a snowbank to keep it frozen, a guy who wanted to know how to carve his bird with a chainsaw, and a mechanic who was worried about using motor oil as his base for his turkey. There was the young mom who called in who related that she had failed to notice her children playing near the bird that was getting ready to be put in the oven, and the kids decided that the turkey's cavity would be a good place to park their toy cars. They didn't discover that until after the turkey had been roasted. A woman who called the Butterball Hotline after cleaning her turkey because she wanted to know how to get the metal pieces out, apparently she had scrubbed her bird with a steel scouring pad. And a West Coast woman who had taken antibacterial precautions too far called the hotline to find out how to get the bleach she'd used off of her turkey. I am not making this up, and this last one cracks me up. I don't know how you feel about it. But there's the woman who called the Butterball hotline wondering how to get her dog out of her turkey. It seemed that the woman had a chihuahua, And the chihuahua had dived into the bird's cavity and become trapped there. The woman had tried to pull the pooch out and shaking the bird, all to no avail. And somebody on the hotline finally said, you know what, if you just carefully carve the opening in the turkey a little wider, you might get the little doggy out of his temporary home. If you want help with the the trappings of Thanksgiving, and you want help with the meal, you can call the Butterball Hotline. But the Butterball Hotline will not give you the essence of thanksgiving. So the Bible can do that. And this morning we're going to unpack a particular passage in the Bible that helps us how to understand how to mature in being people of thanksgiving. Because we are called as believers in Jesus to mature. To not be the same yesterday as we are today. To be more mature tomorrow. Tomorrow better reflect the image of Christ than we do today. So I'm going to invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 100. It's on page 937. Psalm 100. As we think about and look ahead to Thanksgiving. The psalmist writes, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name for the lord is good and his love endures forever his faithfulness continues through all generations one of the first christian singers i was exposed to after i became a christian when i was in the military was a woman named amy grant when she first toured a guy named michael w smith toured with her he was kind of her keyboard player and her her musical director and we just went last weekend, Pastor Laura and I, to see Michael W. Smith in uh, Wichita. Amy Grant sang a song called Fat Baby. Listen to the lyrics. I know a man, maybe you know him too. You can never can tell, he might even be you. He knelt at the altar, and that was the end. He saved, and that's all that matters to him. His spiritual tummy, it can't take too much. One day a week he gets his spiritual lunch. On Sunday, he puts on his spiritual best and gives his language a spiritual rest. He wants his bottle, and he don't mean maybe. He's sampled solid foods once or twice, but he says doctrine leaves him as cold as ice. He's been baptized, sanctified, redeemed by the blood, but his daily devotions, they're stuck in the mud. He knows the books of the Bible in John 3.16, and he's got the biggest King James you've ever seen. I've always wondered if he'll grow up someday. He's mama's boy, and he likes it that way. If you happen to see him, tell him, I said, he'll never grow if he never gets fed. Maturing in our faith is a thing. So what is Amy trying to say this morning? And what does that psalm help us to say this morning? Maturing in Thanksgiving, first of all, means learning the the vocabulary. The psalms are instructive. They're instructive about worship worship and attitude, and life, and wisdom, and here in Psalm 100, the psalmist says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And and to give thanks, in the original language of the Bible, these are commands, they are imperative. It's learning how to say thanks. Kids, right, have to be taught how to say thank you. When I was posted to Germany, courtesy of the United States Air Force and your tax dollars, I was amazed at how many of the little kids could speak German. And then I realized that me, in a foreign language, a foreign place, I should learn some German as well. And so I learned what I called survival German, which was just enough to ask the questions, but not enough to understand the answers when they gave me the answers. And, you know, when you have to use the bathroom, the question is, Wo sind die Toiletten? And if there's a complicated, long answer, you're still stuck not knowing where the bathroom is because you didn't learn enough of the language to get the answers. I was hanging out with one of my folks in uh, Germany, and uh, he was telling the story about how he had cracked up some people in his local German bakery in his little village that he lived in because he had walked in and asked for Schweinbrotchen. Well, what he wanted was two loaves of bread, which in German is brotchen But instead what he asked for was Schweinbröchen. And everybody in the bakery cracked up because Schweinbröchen is pig bread. Nobody knew what pig bread was. He was slightly embarrassed and walked out without his two loaves of bread. See, we have to learn the vocabulary. right? What did you do when your kids were little? They received a gift. You, you prompted them by saying, what do you say? So they would say, thank you. So the first step is learning the vocabulary. Then maturing in thanksgiving means learning some basic categories of thanksgiving. In this psalm, one of the basic, basic categories is that the Lord is good. James chapter 1, verse 17 says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. All good things come from God. And the goodest of the good things is the gift of Jesus himself. Now, it's not Advent season yet, although we are on the cusp of it. But, man, we should be people who are continually readily grateful for the gift of Jesus, who came to pay the price for your sin and my sin. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All good things, good things come from God. Sometimes they're obvious. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes we have to look harder for God's fingerprints on those good things, but they are there. The good things, the people, the experiences we observe and perceive should automatically move us to thanksgiving. We should be a people. Christians on this planet should be the most grateful people ever. Our eyes open to the recognition of the many ways that God has blessed us. And God is not only good, but he is persistent in his love. His love endures forever, it says. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is an example of, in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament, what we call Hebrew parallelism, where they repeat an idea for emphasis. He's good, he's gracious, he perseveres in his goodness to us. People of thanksgiving. But could you... Right now, name something good that God has put in your life, could you? This is not a rhetorical question. Could you? Yes. What would it be? My wife. Your wife. What else? Kids. Kids. What else? Grandkids. Mama? What else? Grandkids? I heard grandkids out there. What else? Health? Food? You know what? If we, if we pause to think about it for three and a half seconds, we can have this recognition that God is good and He has graciously gifted things to us and He is persistent in that love. But maturing in thanksgiving also means giving thanks in all things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, it's the rare Christian who gets there, and I have to confess to you that I am rarely there myself in the middle of perplexities and troubles and difficulties and trials. My first response is not Thanksgiving. Laurel and Hardy, most of you remember Stan and Ollie, right? This is another fine mess you've gotten me into. And on a regular basis, we find ourselves in fine messes because we live in a broken world. And when we find ourselves in those fine messes, one after another after another, the scriptures say we should be people who are called to be able to give thanks in all circumstances. Corey Ten Boom was a woman who was taken captive in World War II and sent to a concentration camp. She wrote a book called The Hiding Place. If you've never read it, I strongly recommend that you pick it up and read it because it's her account of uh, how they got there and what happened while they were there, her family was arrested because they were sheltering Jews from the Germans, from the Nazis. So in the middle of this concentration camp experience, one day, Cory Tenboom and her sister, who later died in that concentration camp, they realized, along with everybody else that was packed into their concentration camp barracks, that suddenly the place was infested with fleas. And of course they, you know, freaked out. Having fleas around, you may know this, is not a fun thing. We put little collars on our little doggies to keep the fleas off of them. But they realized this thing over time, that because the barracks was infested with fleas, the concentration camp guards rarely came in to bother them. And so Corrie Ten Boom in her book says bets to her sister Betsy, You have to understand we have to give thanks to God for the fleas. Because the fleas are keeping the persecutors away from us. That is giving thanks in all circumstances. Now I'm not encouraging you to go out and infest your home with fleas and sit around and say, well thanks, this is really great. But I am encouraging you to listen to what this psalmist says and what the rest of the scriptures say about our capacity to be people who are thankful not just when things seem like they're going well. And uh, lastly, at least for today, maturing in thanksgiving means not just giving thanks in all things, but giving thanks for all things. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 20, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Ephesian church, says, He praises them for always giving thanks for, catch the word, everything. This is the way of life for believers, and it's rarer still, the Christian who gets there. And I can confess to you this morning, I don't usually hang out in this place. You may not have those troubles and difficulties, but there are people who tick me off. There are circumstances in life that just are annoying. And sometimes genuine difficulty comes our way. Several weeks ago, my son called and said, Dad, I've got to go to the hospital. I have to have some tests. They're they're worried about my heart. And in those couple days while we were waiting for the test, I was on the edge of my seat saying, "Ah, ah, God, ah, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And praise God, the tests came out okay and but they don't always come out okay to do that thing. And yet here's the Apostle Paul, always giving thanks for everything. Not easy, but what appears to be an essential aspect of kind of this eternal perspective that you and I are supposed to have. I get the uh, daily uh, Emporia Gazette email with the headlines. It comes to my email every day. And at the bottom of it is usually, right before the ads, at the bottom of it usually is the obituaries. And I have found myself recently paying more close attention to the obituaries. And you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for the age of the person when they passed away. And so when I see a 98 or a 99, I'm going, all oh, right. When I see a 60, not so happy. I see a 65 that worries me a little bit because the perspective you and I often have is this finite kind of the end of my life perspective but that is not the Bible's perspective the Bible's perspective is an eternal perspective don't believe me? 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. The Apostle Paul, he lists a litany of things that have gone wrong in his life up to that point in time and the ways that he had been persecuted, and he calls them, catch this phrase, light and momentary troubles. Light and momentary? Are you kidding me? No, he's not kidding, because he has an eternal perspective. Whatever amount of time we have here, in this journey, on this planet, if we have Christ in us, we have the promise of eternity. Paul knew what he had, been ta- he had talked about there when he described light and momentary troubles. Just a little list of the things he had endured. Prison, flogged, beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, bandits, hunger, thirst, cold, naked, and by the way that stoned there is not the impaired with alcohol or drugs kind of stoned. That's the being hit with rocks kind of stoned. And we we all can have our own versions of this. I can remember hearing from a dear friend who was hospitalized went from the emergency room into the Award because they were struggling with something they couldn't quite identify what it was. And I know that I am personally not at the place where I can give thanks for everything. But I know that it's the place where we're supposed to be. Why? Because in those moments of difficulty and trial and trouble, we get to watch God work in our lives. And find out at the end of our rope, that's where he is. And when we get to the end of our rope and we, we meet him there, he says, you know, you could have hooked up with me at the beginning of the rope and traveled with me along the rope all the way. But here I am. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so... Later on, the Apostle Paul says this. That is why, catch the verb, I delight in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, All, this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, Struck down, but not destroyed. Why can he say those things? He can say those things because he has this eternal perspective. That when all of our names are listed in the obituaries, and trust me, the statistics on death are one out of one. When all our names are listed in the obituaries, if we are in Christ, that is not the end. That's a transition to the place where we recognize this eternal perspective was genuine and has power in our lives. So, if all you want to do on Thursday is have a great turkey day, then call the Butterball Hotline. But if we really want to mature in our understanding of thanksgiving, we need to listen to what God has said in his word to us and reach in his power, not in our own streets. Reach for that place where we can give thanks In all things and for all things. Join me in prayer.